a law that prohibits uh, trying to influence judges or justices of the Supreme Court. Um, Alan Dershowitz, who uh, a longtime law professor at Harvard, uh, was on with Greta Van Susteren on on, uh, uh, Newsmax and disagrees with Ted Cruz on the SCOTUS protest and, and the law uh, that he says is unconstitutional. Listen to this. Your former student, Senator Ted Cruz, he was, uh, he grilled, he probably, by better words, barbecued uh, the Attorney General about the statute uh, 18 U.S.C. 1507, which makes it a crime to, uh, to, to intend to influence a judge at his residence, or there's more to the statute than that. But it's a crime um, to go outside and scream and yell, probably, with the intent to influence a judge. Um, fair examination of the attorney general, and should there have been some uh, charges brought against the people at the justices' homes? Well, I wish Ted had attended the class in which I taught about this. And what I argued was that that statute is unconstitutional as it affects Supreme Court justices. Supreme Court justices are not insulated from being yelled at or screamed at or having uh, protests in front of their house, because they can't be influenced by this kind of thing. They're not like juries, or they're not even like, you know, trial court judges. So I think the statute is unconstitutional uh, if it prevents protests in front of the homes of justices. It's not unconstitutional as it relates to jurors, or maybe state court judges, or lower court federal judges. So I don't think uh, Ted was right about that. Um, look, there should be I will tell you uh, this. resources. I, I, will, protect I will tell you this. Yeah. this. This was not just a casual protest now and then outside a justice house. I have a friend who lives on the block of one of the justices, and it was every Wednesday yeah. night, sometimes yelling very crude things in front of children, but meant to intimidate. Yeah. It certainly seemed to me it was meant to intimidate the family of this justice and perhaps to scare them and, and, and uh, make it very uncomfortable for that family as well, well as sure the neighbors. That, but the statute doesn't apply to that. I'm sure that's right, but justices have to have thick skins. And I don't want to see protests uh, about justices uh, constrained. Um, you know, sometimes the protests will be by the right, sometimes the protests will be uh, by the left. But justices of the Supreme Court have to develop a thick skin, and they have to tell their families. Is, that, is, it, a, you know, is it a thick uh, skin, though? I mean, let's. Let me talk about this. I mean, look, I'm all in favor of protests, too, and you have a right to be obnoxious and, and to yell and right. scream. But what? But the question of whether it was the intent to influence, and is that really a, isn't that a question oh, for a jury to decide? Well, that's what the statute says, intent that. to influence. There was. There was an intent to influence, and that's okay. That's what protests are. Protests are an intent to influence. Look, don't you think that the kid who leaked the Supreme Court opinion overruling Roe versus Wade had an intent to influence? Of course he did. Um, and probably that isn't a crime. Maybe it should be, but it isn't. That wouldn't be protected by the First Amendment. But I don't want to see protests uh, for public figures limited. Now, you can change it. You can narrow the law. Uh, you can say a certain amount of decibel, or it can't be done after 10 o'clock at night, or it has to be a certain distance from the House. That's all okay. It's called time, place, and manner restrictions. But what you can't do is you can't say that people don't have the right to try to influence Supreme Court justices through protests and in front of their homes. That, that I think, goes too far. That's probably something where the ACLU and I would agree we're further apart than we've ever been before on many issues. But on this one, I think we would probably agree. Uh, there you have it. Uh, Alan Dershowitz, uh, Harvard law professor, taught 
Ted Cruz. Yeah. Stay with us. Uh, a lot more to do. Uh, coming up in just a couple minutes, we'll be joined by Marcos Lopez, Outreach and Coalitions Director for NPRI, Nevada Policy Research Institute. We'll uh, find out what's on his mind as we are now into week four of the uh, 82nd Nevada Legislature. Stay with us. Lots more to do as we continue on AM 670 KMZQ, where news is next. into our valley. Union Strong means opportunities for personal growth. Union Strong is fellowship, taking care of one another on and off the job site. Our union has been working hard for the interests of working men and women for decades and will always be there for the communities we serve. Laborers Union Local 872, celebrating 85 Layuna proud years of justice, honor, and strength. I'm attorney Paul Powell. Have you been injured in a crash? Do you want to win your case? Do you want the insurance companies saying, It's Paul Powell! Of course you do. I've spent almost 20 years helping injury victims get paid, and I for sure can help you. If you're tired of greedy lawyers, call 728-5500 or go to paulpowell.com. I really can help. Paul Powell. More lawyer, less fee. Some restrictions apply. Live from the South Point Hotel, Casino, and Spa Studios. From the world-famous Las Vegas Strip. AM 670 KMCQ, Las Vegas. Locally owned and operated by Kemp Broadcasting and Digital Outdoor. Breaking news this hour from townhall.com. I'm Keith Peters reporting. New York Representative George Santos is now under investigation by a House Ethics Panel. Correspondent Norman Hall reports. The House Ethics Committee says it has launched an investigation of New York Representative George Santos. The embattled first-term Republican has admitted fabricating major parts of his resume while running for office. The committee voted earlier this week to open the probe, which it said will look at whether Santos may have engaged in unlawful activity with respect to his 2022 congressional campaign. The panel said it will also review whether Santos was truthful on financial disclosure forms, whether he may have violated conflict of interest laws, and into allegations of sexual misconduct from a person who sought a job at his office. Norman Hall, Washington. Democrats are worried the president's plan to raise taxes may damage their chances to hold the Senate in 2024. Bob Agnew reports. President Biden is ignoring the worries of Senate Democrats and says he'll move forward with his plan to repeal the tax cuts implemented under President Trump. I want to make it clear, I'm going to raise some taxes, the president said this week, although he did try to soften the blow by insisting that, quote, no one making less than $400,000 is going to pay a penny more. Democrats fear tax hikes may be just enough to cost them blue Senate seats up for play in 2024 in the conservative states of West Virginia, Montana, and Arizona. Von Agnew, Capitol Hill. Federal authorities say a Pennsylvania man admits packing explosive materials, fuses, and a lighter into a suitcase he checked for a commercial flight to Florida. A judge on Thursday has denied bail for 40-year-old Mark Muffley of Lansford. Prosecutors say he fled the Lehigh Valley Airport on Monday when he heard his name paged and feared being arrested. On Wall Street, the Dow up by 341 points. The Nasdaq rose 83. 
More on these stories at townhall.com. Relief factor, pain relief that's natural, pain relief that works, and pain relief that attacks the source of the pain. That's the experience of tens of thousands of Americans who are taking Relief Factor right now. See their incredible video endorsements at relieffactor.com and then order your three-week quick starter pack for just $19.95. That's less than a dollar a day. Find out if it can work for you like it works for me by ordering your three-week quick starter pack today. Relieffactor.com, relieffactor.com. Be the next success story. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. (laughs) Oh, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. So why do we continue to put our faith in elected officials in Carson City who are more interested in playing politics than getting our state on track? I'm John Sarpolis, president of the Nevada Policy Research Institute, and we want to stop the cycle of insanity that's holding Nevada and Nevadans back. Go to NevadaPolicy.org to learn how our nonpartisan, nonprofit organization is leading the charge, protecting the freedoms and liberties Nevadans prize so highly. Nevada policy has put principles over politics for more than 30 years, and we need your help to continue building a movement focused on ideas that will move us forward. Learn more at NevadaPolicy.org. This Nevada policy update has been brought to you in partnership with the Nevada Trucking Association. I'm John Sarpolis, president of the Nevada Policy Research Institute, and we want to stop the cycle of insanity that's holding Nevada and Nevadans back. It's 2.04. This is your KMCQ News Flash. I'm Jim Dallas. Cannabis lounges within the city of Las Vegas are a step closer to reality after the city council approved rules for the establishment. But even after the unanimous vote, questions still remain about whether the council will allow the lounges to open. The lingering issue, the waivable 1,000-foot separation between lounges. The waiver, which potential lounge owners are not a fan of, gives the council the discretion to approve or deny licenses. Opponents say the waiver makes it difficult to find a place to rent. City officials say the separation requirement is standard in cities like Seattle, San Diego, and in Denver. Two floors of the Mandalay Bay Resort were evacuated last night due to a small fire. Clark County Fire Department units responded to reports of smoke coming from the roof line just after 11 o'clock last night. Crews found a small fire at the top of the stairwell of the roof and quickly put it out. No injuries were reported and the cause of that fire is under investigation. KMCQ satellite weather, partly cloudy and windy again today. Gusts 15 to 30 miles per hour, high of 56, low of 42. It's 54 degrees right now. KMCQ on-time traffic is powered by Meineke Car Care Centers. Right now, get a basic oil change for only $29.95. Meineke, doing car care right.
Commuters are moving along at different speeds through the resort corridor of Interstate 15 right now. You're averaging about 60 miles per hour on the north side between Sahara and Tropicana and about 45 miles per hour on Interstate 15 southbound between Sahara and Tropicana. Mr. President, it's time to get to work. Surely we both agree that the national debt is too high. Surely we both agree that inflation hurts American families. Surely we can trim waste and streamline programs to make them both stronger and more efficient. Congressional Republicans are ready to act, to save our country, and to make America stronger. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Ladies and gentlemen, Kevin Wall. And this hour brought to you by Nevada Trucking Association. Uh, always good to visit with Marcos Lopez, the Outreach and Coalitions Director for NPRI, Nevada Policy Research Institute. Uh, and he joins us from Southern Nevada. Uh, they've had two snow days and uh, a partial day yesterday. I'm guessing a full day today. And uh, uh, that's that's good news. That's good news because... Uh, uh, the 82nd Nevada Legislature is in session. It is uh, week number four. And uh, Marcos, uh, there are reports that have reached me that the governor has actually signed at least one bill in the first four weeks. Is that does that does that track with what you have? Yes. So his first non-procedural bill, the first policy change under his administration has passed both chambers, was signed into law. This was. Senate Bill 124. Basically what it did, it moves $70 million around uh, that were paid previously ahead of schedule by the mining tax. So basically in uh, 2007, 2009, the way that things would operate when things were going to downturn is they asked mining since they're cyclical, uh, which means they do better when the economy is doing poorly, to pay their taxes in advance of what they estimate that they were going to do. So with the state of the economy, the governor was, well, we're doing well. There's no need to keep this in place. Nevada policy was in support of this move. Um, And now we are moving that money. So it has to be paid normally into the general fund. It doesn't have to go to the counties first. Uh, And what he's trying to do with this money is actually provide transportation for charter schools. Um, And that's something that, you know, we think it's an okay idea. What we really want is to make it easier to start a charter school in this state. Uh, but overall, it is the first piece of legislation that he signed. It's a, it's a positive move. Did anything get done during the snowstorm uh, a couple of days ago, Monday, Tuesday, and partially yesterday? No. So it was actually five days in a row where session was not really held. And in Nevada statute, you actually cannot have the legislature operate three consecutive days without it, the doors being open. It's actually against the law. So Monday, they came in real quickly. They didn't have enough people there for quorum. They opened the building, and then they closed the building right back uh, just to have a, a session day. But it, in Nevada statute, that's a fun fact about our state, is during that 120 days, the legislature must be hope, o- er, open every day, and they cannot go three consecutive days without holding some sort of business because uh, they're supposed to be there working. This is the people's house, which is something that was kind of raised during the COVID 
lockdowns and the voting was closed, a lot of people were arguing that it was unconstitutional because of the statutes. Uh, I want to ask you a couple of interesting bills yesterday uh, that were heard, uh, and and again today, uh, beginning with SB 92. What do you know about it, and uh, do you you like it or do you hate it? So SB 92 is the Street Vendors Act. Um, This was brought forward as a way to rein in overzealous health inspectors that were going around and shutting down uh, just individuals kind of selling outside of sporting events or other uh, at parks, kind of just street vendors. Elotes is what a lot of people are familiar with, street tacos type of scenarios. Uh, So this was meant to kind of rein in uh, overzealous health inspectors that were going out and just enforcing everything to see, arresting people and finding them. And a lot of people didn't understand the process for this because it was so convoluted. You need a, a state license, a county license, a city license, uh, on top of all the different fees you had to pay. So this basically streamlines it all. It has the very common sense kind of Nevada restrictions that are always in place uh, if you're going to pass anything in Nevada, which means you know you can't be having a street vendor inside residential neighborhoods. Uh, you have to stay a certain distance away from. Um, the gaming establishments on the strip. Now, this is all standard stuff, on whether you agree with them or not, that in Nevada, if you're going to pass any sort of legislation, it, they just have an outweighed influence, and they usually get these things through. Uh, but as your commentary mentioned earlier, I mean, a lot of these distance separation things are being challenged in the courts, and we will see how this plays out. Well, and, and so, so what does this mean for my ice cream truck that comes by my house every day? So your ice cream truck would not be... Um, affected because all those mobile vendors are treated differently than street vendors. So this would be uh, Joe Schmo sets up on the corner near the strip uh, with a hot griddle and starts making some tacos. This would make it easier for someone to do this in terms of be able to navigate the system rather than having to go to four different agencies to get four to five different licenses. Uh, this would streamline the process. Plus, it would preempt uh, local governments and putting too many restrictions on them. The idea being, uh, let's help people have different means for economic gain um, while making sure that you're not being over uh, harassed with too many uh, entities all up and down the Las Vegas Strip. Marcos, uh, a bill that hasn't gotten a lot of uh, notoriety, but uh, I'm not sure I like this, is AB 172, Information Sharing with Government Unions. What do you think? Yeah, so this is an interesting one. Obviously, we know under CISLAC, he expanded collective bargaining, which gives unprecedented powers to our local employee unions and associations. So this bill is an attempt by the unions, and they're basically trying to get something back for all the money they donated to the Democrats. Um, every single bargaining unit, and, and what that means is the way when they do collective bargaining, they break up all the employees by whatever job occupation you have, and you become a bargaining unit based on what kind of profession you have within the government. So the unions want to know and want the information of every single person within those units, whether they represent them or not. So this is clearly an attempt for them to be able to go harass these individuals and try to get them to join the unions. Uh, This is really the last major pocket of union support around the country is government unions. And this is a very serious concern for those of us that believe in fiscal responsibility, because it's hard to negotiate a contract when both sides of the negotiating table are controlled by the same entity. Has this bill bill already been heard? So there was a hearing this morning. 
Um, and now, what the uh, the effects of this will be coming up, but there was obviously these concerns that were raised. We are in opposition to this legislation, uh, but you can see that the the unions are were the number one donors this past election cycle, by far the number one donors, by far government unions. Um, so they're really trying to cash in on this. This is something we're going to be urging Lombardo to veto. Um, it definitely would be bad for long-term budgetary consequences, but it's going to be bad for government transparency. It's going to be bad uh, when we have to renegotiate these contracts to make sure that taxpayers are getting a fair deal. Everything that we add on, on, on the spending side for more budgets uh, for the unions, I mean, that's everything the taxpayer is going to have to fork up eventually. And if taxpayers not being represented at these negotiating tables when there's labor disputes, that is a major concern. I want to ask you about a bill uh, that uh, I believe is coming up tomorrow. It's uh, and it's scary as hell uh, for me, uh, like like we're going to become San Francisco all over again. AB one forty two, the homeless bill of rights. What do you know about it? So, it it is a very similar bill that we've seen pop up in California, Washington, Oregon, et cetera. Um, and all these states are having dealing with this homeless problem. We're also dealing with the homeless problem, but I don't think we're as bad as some places in San Francisco. Uh, a lot of this bill is almost redundant because you would most people would look at some of the things that they protect, such as being treated with fairness and respect, being free from intimidation, uh, being able to move freely on public spaces and say, those are all just rights that we should already have under the United States Constitution. Um, but this is it is an attempt uh, by the homeless advocates to kind of uh, preempt again more local government restrictions if they start popping up uh, to restrict homelessness. Of course, there are concerns of unintended consequences, which really uh, might lead us down the path of these large encampments like we're seeing in San Francisco and we're seeing in Los Angeles. And really, homelessness is a downstream issue of a much larger problem that we need to address, which is housing. Housing costs and housing availability is the, one of the major drivers of homelessness, um, as well as drug addiction and mental illness, which are things that we should be targeting um, and, and addressing. Uh, but, you know, making it life easier necessarily for these individuals to gather in homeless encampments, I don't know if that's the best policy uh, for us to pursue. It's definitely something to keep an eye on. This will be heard tomorrow for people that are interested uh, at 9 a.m. at the Government Affairs uh, Committee. And, and and what will AB 142 actually do? So the actual protections, I can list them out real fast. Uh, again, it's 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 a lot of it is just feel good stuff that sh- that you would argue is already covered under the 14th Equal Protection Clause Amendment of the Constitution. Uh, but the first one is you have to be treated, uh, but with fairness and respect. So it's a guarantee for that, uh, guaranteed from being free from intimidation, harassment, abuse. Uh, free to move on public spaces without limitations, including public sidewalks, government buildings, public parks, public transportation. Uh, you're supposed to guarantee equal treatment by state and local governments, have access to emergency services, uh, and really uh, reasonable expectation of their privacy and their belongings. Um, so, you know, ideally this would mean that, you know, a police officer or another individual, if they've been caused to the scene, still have to follow the, the normal Fourth Amendment procedures. Uh, But really one of the curious ones is the last part, which is free from discrimination by an employer basis on their inability to provide a permanent mailing address or address in general. Um, So it seems like they're trying 
to want to facilitate a way for these individuals to maybe find employment if they're being held back by the fact that they don't have an address. Um, but in general, a lot of this stuff should already be covered under the Constitution, so it's not as extreme as some of the ones that we have seen in other Western states. I think what a lot of people fear is that we're going to end up with homeless down on the, on, on the Las Vegas Strip or downtown. Um, in practice, what will this mean? And that is really to be determined, right? Uh, this kind of almost reminds me of that Equal Rights Amendment that was passed. Granted, our version was a little bit different than what a lot of other states passed as the voters approved this past cycle. In actual practice, this is to be determined. It's probably going to be more ways uh, for individuals to countersuit if they perceive that their rights have been violated. Um, so in actual practice, there isn't enough meat right now on this to be a concern that it will drive too many uh, encampments, but there are many unintended consequences that we might not be aware of yet. Uh, this could motivate more individuals that are experiencing homelessness to move from states like California into our cities, uh, but this is something that we're going to have to keep a closer eye on to see what effects it does have. This is, a, this is something um, that will keep coming up uh, for our city and state, and we have been seeing an increase of homelessness. Uh, is this something that NPRI will uh, support or oppose? So as of right now, we are just watching this. Um, we, 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 we're still trying to kind of saddle it. We're going to really wait to see tomorrow at the hearing what is the intention behind the sponsor, because we can only get so much from reading the legislation and seeing the supporting documents. But what we really want to hear is what questions the legislators ask of them. And I would really be looking forward to see uh, what the Republicans on this committee uh, what questions they ask. I almost guarantee someone's going to ask the question of how, what effect this, do you believe this is going to have on homeless individuals moving into our city and increasing the amount? And uh, how do we deal with trying to clear out some of these tent cities that might pop up on private property in particular? Um, so this is very big questions that are going to come up to this hearing. Uh, so I definitely encourage people, if this is something that you are concerned about, uh, to, to follow this. This will be 9 a.m. tomorrow at the Assembly Government Affairs Committee. You can go to uh, the government websites to figure out how to participate in it. You don't necessarily have to go down to either the Grant Sawyer Building or Carson City. You can watch these hearings online uh, on YouTube as well as on the actual government's legislative website. And if you want to provide public comment, they will have information on there where you can dial in just as the normal Zoom meeting uh, and accept and give testimony in support or opposition of it. Uh, but the hearing should definitely be a lively one tomorrow, and it's likely to get a lot of press coverage. 9 a.m. I uh, want to ask you about uh, Tesla tax breaks and GoEd, uh, the, the, the economic development uh, arm. Uh, what is going on there, and and uh, you have any problems with, uh, with uh, government uh, tax abatement going out to people like Tesla and Elon Musk? So generally, Nevada policy has always been kind of opposed to this since the inception. Uh, it originally came up under Governor Sandoval as an attempt to, to direct uh, economic development. And a lot of people might remember the Catalyst Fund. It was since, you know, every single governor has a version of the Catalyst Fund. They kind of changed the name. Kislak had one. Uh, Lombardo was proposing the new Nevada, uh, the Nevada Way Fund. Uh, but we have some questions on this, on whether it's even constitutional. In fact, we did file a lawsuit uh, when Andy Matthews was the president of Nevada Policy back in 2016. Uh, unfortunately, our lawsuit didn't go all the way through. Uh, it was uh, a situation that arose with the plaintiff. 
but we still believe that under the Article uh, 8 of our Nevada Constitution that this is an unconstitutional provision. It explicitly uh, prohibits this. It, the Clark Constitution says the state shall not donate or loan or its credit or subscribe to or be an interest in any stock of any company, association, or corporation except those formed for educational or charitable purposes. Uh, a very explicit reading of that would mean that the state is not supposed to be providing these tax incentives um, and subsidies to companies. And, and the way that they do it, that they've gotten around this, that they revealed in our lawsuit during dispositions, um, was that they, they kind of channeled their tax breaks and subsidies to a different entity, which is GoEd. And, and when we've asked them directly, like, why don't you just give it to them directly? It's like, well, that's unconstitutional. Um, so the question really is, is if you delegate your power to a private company or, or a different entity that's not necessarily uh, the government itself, is it still unconstitutional? I, we would say that, yes, it is still unconstitutional. You can't just give away um, your ability to warrant to a private uh, police force, and that's your way around the Fourth Amendment. Uh, so we have some concerns with this, and this is coming up mainly because Tesla is eligible now for hundreds of millions of tax abatements up north, um, and GOED, the Governor's Office of Economic Development, is considering whether to approve them for this. Um, the current chair of revenue, uh, Dina Neal, she is a Democrat um, state senator. She did bring up that, you know, she feels that the legislature does not have enough oversight over these tax abatements and how money is spent. Uh, this is true. I mean, we all know the, po uh, the power of the purse lies with the assembly, uh, which is our, uh, our, our legislative branch there. Uh, that's the, where the money is controlled. So we do share some of those concerns. We, I mean, we do believe that the whole office is unconstitutional. It should be changed to just identifying ways uh, to make it easier to start a business in the state, not so much diluting our tax base and giving special preference to those that are politically connected over everyone else. It's going to be interesting to see what happens, but that's a lot of money uh, going back to Tesla and to Elon Musk, and uh, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be checking in on that. Uh, if folks want to know more about what's going on up in Carson City, how can they, uh, how can they find you? Yeah, so I would say 